Brooks, a writer and professor. This is How Art is Born, an MCA Denver podcast about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practice. Today, I'm joined by a choreographer, performance artist, associate chair, and professor of dance at the University of Colorado at Boulder, Arrhenius J. Wilkins. Hello. Hello. It's my <laughs> pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you. So um, I, I want to kind of start with where are you from? Where, where were you raised? Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Louisiana, born okay. and raised, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, not too far away from New Orleans. Most people know New Orleans. Yeah. City that never sleeps. Right. <laughs> right Legendary. in the South. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up, I grew up there, um, then eventually made my way to Rochester, New York, hmm. and to Washington, D.C., and now I'm here in Boulder. Ah. Okay, well, so uh, at what point did dance start to be a thing for you? Was that always there or was there like a certain? Yeah. Um, I feel like there are multiple responses to that question. Huh. <laughs> um, dance was always there. Yeah. I am someone who feel that art is a calling. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was called to do it. Yeah. And, and when I learned about what it was, I was able to identify and say, oh, that's what's in me. Mm. And that's tied to an Alvin Ailey story, a PBS okay. special. Yeah. So I was very young. And um, there was a PBS special on the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and they were going to show Revelations. But prior to that, uh, the show involved interviewing Mr. Alvin Ailey. And yeah. he said, I'm Alvin Ailey, and I'm a choreographer. And I pointed, and I pointed. <laughs> and I was like, that's me. Nice. Um, so that, and then I would say the third thing is that I... I'm wired to be a maker. I love putting things together. I find dance in everything. So when I landed the word dance, it became like the commonality that brought all the parts together. That's interesting. You know, I was thinking about uh, when I asked you this question, it made me think about like my own connections with with dancing. Yeah. Uh, So I had this distinct memory of being uh, maybe 12. And uh, I went to a party of other 12-year-olds and it was like in, a, in my mother's friend's basement or something. Right. And my mother comes down because we're all just sitting there awkwardly because we don't know how to talk to each other. And she's like, y'all need to be dancing. And she t- turns the music <laughs> up and starts dancing yeah. and makes us dance, right? <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because I didn't connect with dancing for a lot of my um, 20s. Right. But what I came to realize was I don't like nightclubs, but I like dancing. Yeah. So I had to find places that weren't like looking at my shoes to decide if I was going to get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could just dance and enjoy myself. And once I found that, suddenly it became this really big part of my life. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for you, when when you are engaging in dance and when it's bringing in all those parts that you're talking about, what what is the experience for you? What is it communicating? <laughs> That's a big That's question. That's another big question. We're <laughs> good at them. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I guess I would enter into this by um, writing off of what you just shared because mm. there is something spiritual there is something that is healing. There is something about, um, you know, letting down your guard and being totally in your, your wholeness, you know, um, and my connectivity to that, um, likened to you, I'm not a big club person, but when I discovered house music, Mm. house was the place for me to be Yeah, the spot where house music was playing. I knew that everybody in that room was going to be there for the music and to be dancing from the time they get into the time they leave. Right. That's where I found my joy. Hmm. So there's something very liberating about it. And it's, it also became a way to work through struggle. Yeah. 
and challenges, you yeah. know, and and even discover huh. because when the weight is lifted off my shoulders, I can dream differently. Right. And so huh. that sense of being in my body and being able to move and then being able to groove with the music, right. thinking about that, it yeah, it was like a form of ecstasy, huh. if you will. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but then like in a different vein, growing up in the South. Mm-hmm. The thing that I often gripe about <laughs> is being, oh, why isn't culture and arts more integrated into the way of life that is American life, mm-hmm. you know? And why is it looked at as entertainment? Right. Or being compared to sports or whatever yeah. it is. Um, growing up, I felt it as a way of life. Mm-hmm. And so people connected through the arts, through yeah. dancing, through music, through cooking. Mm. It was, it created the gathering. Mm-hmm. It created the bonds. It created um, capacity right. yeah. to do things in numbers. And so I hold on to that as well. Um, and if I, you know, fast forward all the way to now being an adult artist, that is something that is an anchor in my work, mm. building community. Right. Huh. Well, that's interesting because it makes me also, like when you said about it being very spiritual, yeah. I thought about, okay, well, actually, between the gaps of like that party with my mother, yeah. I danced in church a lot. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and then I thought about, um, and I don't know if this was your experience, but for me growing up in the South, um, there was a, a lot of oppression around being black and expressing emotion. Oh, yes. Right. And so like the church is a place where you could safely do that. Yeah. But if you do it out in the world, you know, you could be arrested, killed, whatever. Right. And so uh, being able to connect with the dance floor outside of church is another place where it's safe to express emotion, vulnerability, you know. And then the other thing we were talking about, um, being able to work out things. Yeah. So like uh, for me as a professional writer, there'll be times that I'm trying to work out some aspect of a script or a character I'm stuck on it. Yeah. I go dancing. I'll be working on my Michael Jackson spins <laughs> yeah. and then it'll come clear. Right. Yeah. You know, I have to leave the dance floor and I type it into my phone. I got it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, pushing the button and releasing something. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, so then let me ask you about like your, your school path. So was dance something that you immediately like pursued in your studies? Ultimately, okay. Um, I found my way there. It's it's fascinating in the sense that I had that early connection. Yeah. Dance was definitely at the center of my life. Um, but I often talk about myself as being a strategist, mm. and I'm like, I have a lot of interests. And um, early on, I knew the kind of work I wanted to make was not dance solely, mm. but it was more multimedia based. Yeah, and so my focus became on what are the things that I want to be a part of this multimedia world that I don't know enough information about. Huh. So I ended up going to film school first. Oh, wow. Um, and then I went on. Where did you go to? Uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, okay. which is where I brought me to Rochester. Yeah. At that time, Kodak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the space to be. Okay. And all of the equipment, you know, and all of the connections. And that was interesting, too, because for me, it wasn't so much about being you know, this amazing filmmaker, mm-hmm. it really, it was, again, it was strategic. I wanted to understand the language. Yeah. I wanted to build networks so that when it came time for me to do my work, I would find, I would have collaborators. Hmm. 
Wow. That was the real interest. Okay. Um, in the time that I was there, I found myself interested in animation, which was funny. So I uh, introversion here. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in a dark room <laughs> drawing <laughs> really? on the film wow. for a little while because that became the thing I was most interested in. Um, but then fast forward um, several years later when I went back to grad school after being out of school for about 15 years uh-huh. and having touring and, and having a company um, based in Washington, D.C. for okay. 13 years. Um, when I went back to grad school, the focus, I returned to film. I That's returned to the editing booth. Interesting. In relationship to dance. Yeah. Okay. So uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how people feel like there's just like one path to yeah. being an artist. And uh, we were saying that there you can't predict them. There are a whole bunch of different paths. Yeah. So I want to I want to um, focus in on some of what you said. So you yeah. started with film yeah you you dabbled in animation a little bit yeah how did you get from that to running a company yeah that was a dream the company was a dream so that was always there okay and so i felt like i was um getting all of the parts of the company um or getting some understanding about it yeah um because i also took a lot of business courses (laughs) you know again like the business have to function right do the thing i want to do right um so it it was that 3d picture i had in my head Hmm. um that i needed to know something about all these things to do the thing i wanted to do but making that in a different way making that direct connection in relationship to your question again i saw movement Hmm. what i was making when i was making films i was choreographing right it was motion right and so it was in the body you know drawing it's in the body Mm -hmm. Um, So I was always moving and I was always thinking about how things are constructed and how they look in a frame. So I was essentially stage designing. Hmm. Um, And so I feel like all of that was feeding into the very thing I wanted to do. Now, while I was in film school, what was paired with that was coming across um, an instructor who was teaching a dance class at Rochester Institute of Technology. And I took the course as an elective. And that was like, yep. (laughs) That's something I should be doing for sure. I really Mm -hmm. want to do it. And um, it was interesting because prior to that, I had actually spent a lot of time reading about dance. And so uh, a lot of my first uh, corrections was about like the the process between the beginning step and the ending point. Because I knew the beginning from the diagram in the book and I knew where I needed to end up. I just needed the clarity in the middle. So... um, yeah, those are some of the first things that happened for me. And then when I took after taking that class, um, it just kind of lit a fire. And eventually I was taking classes seven days a week. Okay. And then eventually I made my way to SUNY Brockport wow. <laughs> and continued the dance journey. Um, and I walked into SUNY Brockport. I'll never forget it. My mentor to this day and dear friend. Uh, Susanna Newman, I walked into her office and I was like, hi, I'm Hellenius J. Wilkins and I'm a choreographer. I claimed it and they hadn't seen me nice. dance or anything like that. <laughs> so it's like your options are either to wrap your wings around me and say, let's go to work. Or are you question right. you know me? She wrapped her wings around me and um, hmm. here I am today. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Did you tend towards a specific type of dance or do you use different styles as tools to tell the story you want to tell? Yeah. Another amazing question. Um, I struggle with labels. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, probably what what would be labeled uh, or the labels that we place on me would be modern dance, contemporary dance, multimedia work, mm. in- intermedia now. And, and the distinction between that is that multimedia is um, 
any and all forms coming together, any combination of forms, but intermediate centers technology. Okay. A lot with technology. So I need the technology to make the project work and the art needs the technology. Right. So, um, so there's a hand in hand conversation going on there. So um, I think those are the worlds I would exist in. Yeah. But I really, I've trained in a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like the path to doing what I do is taking what I've learned, but also deconstructing it mm-hmm. and watching everyday life mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm inspired by what's going on in the world, how I see the world around me mm-hmm. um, and how I'm impacted by that, how others are impacted yeah. by what's happening in the world. Huh. Uh, so this isn't a hundred percent true, but I would say largely um, art for the artist can be divided into two categories. Yeah. Uh, the first would be some type of expression of our own emotion. Yeah. Uh, the second would be trying to communicate something to someone else. Yeah. yeah. So um, what's important to you when you're creating? Like, are you trying to communicate something, or is it that you're trying to have a cathartic experience yourself? Yeah. Um. Fantastic question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I come with them. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it, and it's particularly fascinating in this, again, in this moment that I'm, I'm, I'm holding right now because I'm at the beginning phase of a brand new project, which has a very long title, the conversation series, stitching the geopolitical quiltery body belonging. <laughs> and um, it's a project that found its momentum in the height of the pandemic. Okay. Um, and it is... Um, my way of actioning the change I want to see and Mm -hmm. stitching our lives back together again across the nation. Mm -hmm. And so there's something even in saying that um, to get to responding to what you, uh, the question you raise, there's something about that, that I, I almost remove myself from only thinking of myself as a dancer or a dance artist, because what I'm doing is larger Mm. and, um, and dance is the vehicle to do that other thing. And so the greater majority of my career has been rooted in social justice Mm. and actioning, um, and bringing the voices that are on the edges to the center. Hmm. Um, creating opportunity for spaces and, and spaces for untold stories to be revealed or lesser known stories to hmm. be revealed. Um, also dismantling, um, challenging uh, stereotypes, specifically black men. Right. Um, my company in Edgeworks is an all-male dance company, okay. primarily black men. Nice. Um, and when I'm looking at all of those things, there is, there is me in there. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there's something about me creating a space, you know, and, and me having a space to, um, to heal, Mm -hmm. to exist, to find a new path. Um, but I don't make my art to be in service of me, um, either. Um, because I'm really interested in community, Mm -hmm. you know, and even with, again, this new project, I'm thinking about community is here and on top of communities belonging hmm. and I want belonging because we can all be in a community and feel like we don't belong. Right. So how do we get to belonging? Hmm. So that is not, again, it, it becomes larger than me mm-hmm. and the work that I'm, I feel like I'm doing is um, stitching and threading and weaving and finding um, collective yeah. voices, collective strength, hmm. collective vulnerability. So in that communication part, the second part of your question, sure, I can say there's a desire to want to communicate something, mm-hmm. 
But in a different way, I'm wondering if it's about me creating an opportunity for people to see a reflection of mm. their lives and of themselves to be in conversation with me rather than to watch me communicate something to them. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay, so you know, you and I we were talking about the the weekly comic yeah. that I do. So that engages largely with a lot of social issues. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that are that's important for me is to not present myself as having the answers. Oh, absolutely. And mostly just raising a question, holding yeah. up a mirror, allowing people to consider yeah. things in a different way. And um, what you're saying about the stitching, I, I feel like a very sort of kindred yeah. thing there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just. Uh, there's, there's this thing that I've been saying that uh, for a couple of years, but basically all the isms, racism, sexism, yeah. ageism, they come from either either an intentional choice or an accidental yeah. to not see the other person's humanity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People have made an intentional decision. I'm not really trying to reach them. They've right. decided. Right. But the people who just haven't had the chance to experience someone else's humanity are in such a powerful way to give them that opportunity. Absolutely. You know, so like uh, if I, before I knew any trans people, when I was reading comics by trans yeah. people, suddenly I could understand their experience in a different way. Right. You know, right. right. And, and it seems like essentially it's communicating compassion and humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, um, <laughs> the project again, conversation series. Yeah. I write a lot about it. Um, being, uh, me figuring out how to walk again. Hmm. So how can we take something, um, an everyday action that we take for granted and put that underneath the, the microscope right? and realize that there's a lot that's involved in being able to do that. Hmm. But just doing that, being able to put one foot in front of the other and doing that with curiosity mm -hmm. allows for seeing differently, right? allowing for a new perspective, allowing for being a student, hmm. allowing for being willing to listen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you um, put together these shows, yeah. obviously dances involve technology and yeah. multimedia. So, um, are you trying to take people through like a clear story, or are you just trying to sort of evoke an emotion that makes them consider something, or both? Yeah, I I feel like it's a combination of both okay. because I'm definitely like there's an aspect of me that's narrative driven, but not necessarily linearly. Yeah. Um, I often look at my works as um, collages. Hmm. They're vignettes that are pieced together that give you a way into an experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm very interested in transporting people. So like, mm -hmm. how can I create a landscape that makes you almost forget you're in a theater space right? Um, and that you're suddenly there with me? A project I did in uh, 2018, a bunker, um, pages from a journal, uh, and a bunker means uh, to do wholeheartedly, okay. or good heart, which is a Louisiana term. Uh, thank and you. that work was... <laughs> Um, that work, I use like multiple projectors and, um, you know, I went from being in a field of sugarcane, hmm. you know, to being in a house, a row house in New Orleans. Yeah. And so when you, when people saw that, they saw me transported into those spaces, but they were brought along. Hmm. And so suddenly the feeling and the experience right. was, was different. So, um, there is that, um, but I, I, I feel like they're, you know, I want people to be able to question. I want them to be challenged. Um, I want them to see a reflection of themselves. Mm. I want them to see how their thoughts and perspectives align or um, cross mm -hmm. or merge with other perspectives. Um, so there's something about landscapes that I'm, I'm creating yeah. when I make my work. 
And there's definitely like a deep space for reflection, you mm. know, but uh, there's also entertainment in this, right? right? You're right. coming to see a show. And so, yeah, th- that entertainment would be the joy mm-hmm. and the, the happiness, like the, the arc of life is all of that, right. you know, it's not one thing. So I, I feel like I try to embrace the human experience as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Now, it's cool that you say the entertainment part, right? Because no matter how important my message is, if people aren't being entertained, there's really no show. Right. Like right. They're not showing up. Right. You know? Right. I might as well just write a manifesto. Exactly. Yeah. But where we get them or where we can get them is the how of the entertainment. Right. Yeah. Sometimes people might think like, oh, I'm coming to sit back and be a lawyer. Right. And I'm like, here. <laughs> You're part <laughs> you of this. You didn't realize you're invited to the stage. <laughs> you know? Are you familiar with uh, Melvin Van Peebles? Yes. Okay, so there's a documentary on him called uh, How to Eat Your Watermelon in White Company and Enjoy It. I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. Uh, The reason it's great. I think it's on Prime right now. Okay. Yeah, but uh, the reason I I bring it up is because he has, uh, I think he might be in his 90s, but he has a very similar uh, approach, like the message that I want to express is most important. Yeah. And um, whatever the medium is, is going to change whatever is the best one. So, yeah. you know, he went from film to Broadway, yeah. he recorded albums. Yeah. Like he just did all of this stuff, you know, and, and it's really worth watching. Yeah. It, like it's constantly inspiring to me in okay. terms of his determination. I'm noting. Yeah, right on. <laughs> all right. So you mentioned um, seeing the world, like observing yeah. people inspires you. Has the way that you've been inspired to create, has it changed the things that inspire you over time? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I yeah. feel like I'm in a, this is taking me into a reflective space. Yeah. Um, but I want to say yes, because um, consciously or subconsciously, I'm reacting and I'm responding to what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And that information then becomes woven into right. whatever I start to do. So I could think I'm going into the studio with a blank canvas and I'm not I'm mm-hmm. carrying all of that with mm-hmm. me. So yeah, I lean into being influenced. Yeah. Um, and that those shifts happen. And 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 most certainly some of that influence is maybe the gateway. It's the way in. Mm. You know, it's like it's that aha moment. Right. So it's not that it suddenly changed something mm-hmm. drastically for me, but it gave me the way of being able to enter into doing the work that I I'm like, it's there, but I don't know how to access it or I can't get to it. or I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Yeah. Um, and then something will happen. I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll change gears a little bit. Yeah. Because um, we're talking about the journey of being an artist. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to talk about some of the times when something didn't work out. Right. Like when something. A lot really of times. <laughs> Yeah. More times than people see. Yeah, they right. only see the times when we're succeeding. Yeah, right. So yeah, I think that's that's why it's important, right? Because yeah. if people are trying to figure it out. They they think like one failure means yeah. that they should stop. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular one that you feel all right sharing? <laughs> there is a project I created in 2008 that okay. is like my name is <laughs> talking about it, um, and that project what was what was brilliant about it is that. Um, it took about two years to make. Mm. It was at that time, it was the most expensive project I had ever produced. Wow. And it was the project I had gotten the most funding for. Mm. And um, I walked away understanding what my process for making was. Okay. So that was like a really big gift. I'm like, oh, this is why I organize these community discussion groups. 
this is why I do this. This is why I'm very specific about, you know, the, the inner makings of who's in the work and how I design all of that. Um, so I, yeah, I walked out like with my head held high in that regard, Mm -hmm. the show regard (laughs) and the the final quote unquote product. What a nightmare. What it was. I just wanted it to be over. And it was like nothing I could do to save it. <laughs> right. It was just like, it looks beautiful, but you know, it was, I was just struggling with it. And I will never forget, I had this uh, phone conversation with a, a venue presenter mm-hmm. who had been following me for a few years. He's very interested in my work. And, um, and that's usually the process, nurturing relationships. So much is about process. Mm-hmm. And this is her time to finally see something live because she'd only been seeing videos and all these other things and all those other projects were like really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was this one that she saw and it was not the really great one. <laughs> and so she's talking on the phone and she's like trying to find the words to say, you know, like this is not good. <laughs> and, um, you know, I embrace, I accept it, but I also said, well, I can't apologize for my art because mm. this is what came out. Kind yeah. of thing, yeah. you know? um, but that was probably like a moment that was probably, yeah, what about this moment? I'm like, I cannot save that project. Yeah. But it's actually given me a lot. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So you were able to um, eventually come to a point of recognizing what positive thing came out of it. Yeah. You. But uh, at that point where you didn't have that yet, where you were feeling it was just easier to hide. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like take a break <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wonder about like how you found your way out of the negative place you know what i mean that um that's a great question because i actually feel like i don't live in um hmm. that negative space when it comes to my art for oh, too long okay and it's because my approach to art is that i'm always in process yeah and if i'm always in process i'm gonna fall hmm and then I have to get back up to stay in process. Right. Otherwise, I can't claim that I'm always in process. That's interesting. So um, the rise and fall, I'm always thinking about how things are stacking up and what they're teaching me and how it gets me to the work I'm ultimately striving to make. Mm-hmm. Um, a colleague of mine once said, um, in her own words, and I probably had a different way to say this, but when she said it to me this way, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. She said, we spend our career making the same piece over and over again. Huh. And there's some truth in that, right? Because you're on this journey to keep diving deeper into something. And at the base of it, the things you hold Mm -hmm. dear to you, community, vulnerability, strength, you know, building bridges. Hmm. It's all there in all the work, but I don't have to lead with that. That doesn't have to be the means to make the work because it's already all there. That's really interesting just to think about being always in process. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. So in terms of protecting myself as an artist. Yeah. Uh, rule number one is never read the comments. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be great. Like, I can read like 600 great ones. Yeah. And, and then it'll the be one, one negative. And that and one negative one stays with me. Yep. And you forget all the yeah. other ones. Yeah. So I'm like, why Why even do it? Yeah. You know? So my uh, my advisor, Susanna, again, yeah. um, she, it's on my, still on my refrigerator to this day. Hmm. Um, she, her response or her, her saying to me was, never believe what's written about you and um, always read between the lines. Hmm. Because what's not being said, usually that's where your questions are for yourself. Yeah. So, like, if you agree with something, that question is already in you. If you don't agree with something, you can just let it pass. Huh. 
Yeah, you know, I don't like to live by means, but there was one that I liked. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, don't accept criticism from people you wouldn't accept advice from. Right. And I really like that a lot. Right, right. Because, you know, there's a whole bunch of armchair critics. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how often we find ourselves in those situations. And it's not to say that they aren't brilliant in their own ways and their their minds perhaps aren't, aren't opening up landscapes for us, but it's like, okay, if you really feel this way, let me see you make that dance. Right, <laughs> you know, right, that's, sometimes right. I want to say that. Yeah, you right. Know? Like, <laughs> huh. But, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. And, and I think it takes all of, all of those exchanges. Really, right. For us to find our way, however mm-hmm. we do it, you know? Yeah. It, that's a curiosity piece for me. And it's, um, and if I'm coming back to being the observer in my journey, then that's, that's part of it. Hmm. Like, I may not necessarily be reading the comment, but I'm observing everything that's around me. Yeah. And all of those responses and interactions is giving me information. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So you're at a particular place in your journey as an artist. You have, um, you have this experience. You've been able to, to build your art in different states and different forms. Yeah. And now you're at a place where you have students. Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self? Ooh. But I think through the lens of you being uh, working with students now, yeah. that even becomes more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, the common denominator is always um, that always comes out easily. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. the first thing I say is uh, be a student for life. Because mm. um, at the moment you think you know it all, that's when everything sort of stops. Right. Um, and, and I feel like what I'm channeling in that is curiosity. That's what I'm interested in. Um, and that's how I see students hmm. make their way through and have breakthroughs. Right. I like, you know, it's almost like returning to our childhood, hmm. our inner child when like you could be fearless right? <laughs> and you don't have all the information about what's right, what's wrong, what's, hmm. you know, good, quote unquote, what's bad. And that you're willing to try anything, right. <laughs> you know, can, how far can I push that glass of water before it drops, <laughs> you know, and will yeah. I get in trouble, you know? So it's like, I feel like some part of, yeah, um, the journey is tapping into your inner child mm. yeah, and keeping that really close so that play can be the means to make and not being locked in serious and trying to do this Mm. because then sometimes you can't cut through that. Right. But if I can, if I can experiment and I can play, I cannot hold myself to being all knowing, which I'm not, Right. you know, um, then there's more possibility, Mm. you know? Yeah. That's interesting because I hear in you describing your passion for your work and your thoughts about it, this, uh, kind of theme of, I'm going to call it challenging convention, yeah. but uh, I will say that it doesn't seem to be challenging just for the sake of challenging. Right. It seems to be like you want to communicate to people differently. Right. So they come with expectations to your show. You uh, take them out of those expectations. Right. right. But that said, where, where, what's next? Like, where do you want to head next? What visions do you have? Another big question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's good timing because of this project yeah. <laughs> that I just feel like it's it's um, the conversation series stitching the geopolitical quilt to everybody belonging is um, I feel like it's the next chapter of my life. OK. And it's not 
solely a, another two year process. Hmm. Um, and I feel like it's um, a merging of the past 30 years of my career. Mm-hmm. Um because it's a series of new choreographies, but it's also a feature-length documentary film. It's a digital humanities living archives. Wow. And through the ways in which I will be making these parts, I am. Um, it will yield a justice, equity, diversity, um, inclusion, accessibility toy kit. Toy intentional, okay. because tool means to fix. I'm not a fixer. I don't want to go into communities and fix, mm-hmm. but I want to go in communities and be in and with mm-hmm. and explore and figure out how we can navigate creating a means to activate the change we want to see. Wow. And this work requires that I go to all 50 states and all five inhabited territories to create a section of the work. Mm-hmm. So like the first phase of the process is definitely seven to 10 years wow. of making. So, um, that's the journey I'm on. I'm really, yeah. yeah. And it, um, it's the uprisings. It's the, the COVID um, pandemic and how it impacted so many, mm-hmm. um, myself included, but in, in different ways um, and how it brought even more to the forefront mental illness yeah. um, and self-care, but also community care. Right. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think so often the conversation stops at self-care. Right. But the self-care for me is about being able to get to community care, hmm. change something bigger. Right. So my vision is super big hmm. and um, yeah. And I want to do it in and with communities. I don't want to do it in a studio. Sounds beautiful and audacious. I love it. Yes. We'll check back in again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, on a side note, I was thinking about when you were saying uh, the conversation ending at self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of cartoons and movies I watched when I was a kid, quicksand yeah. was like a constant theme. It was like it felt like it was going to be a much bigger part of my adult life yeah. than, than it actually is. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I remember hearing kind of this thing of like if you're in quicksand uh, and your friends in quicksand, you have to get yourself out yeah. before you can get them out. Of course, if you're both in, you're trying to push them up. You're right. just sinking faster, right? right? right. So you got to pull yourself out and then yep. extend a branch or something to pull. And uh, how you were talking about your art having um, a degree of self-healing, yeah. but also working towards the bigger things, the things of community and reaching people. Yeah. It's cool to see all of those things come together as you talk about the stuff you work on. I'm excited to see like how all of these things take shape. It sounds really cool. Thank you. I'm I'm definitely super excited about it, and um, and it's it's beautiful for me to be in a space of um, total opposites, Un- complete uncertainty, yeah, and clarity. Hmm. Right? Clarity is a drive, and that I am committed to being a, a soldier for change. You know, yeah. Um, but then the uncertainty is like the how of how people will respond. Right. What will it mean to work in and with community? But I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. I'm ready, hmm. you know, yes. and, um, and I'm ready to meet others, hmm. you know, um, I got these hands, this body and one foot to place in front of the other. Yeah. And everybody has that. Hmm. Okay. That was, that was such a good statement. I was like, should we end on that? But, 
because it really was. It's really good. Uh, but I guess I still I have a couple more questions. I wanted to ask about like how you envision the scale of this project. Like, is this um, is it how like are there going to be a lot of people involved? Because you're talking about communities. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, there will be a lot of people involved. So there, um, I have what I call a primary team of 21 people surrounding okay. me. Um, but to do this work in and with communities, every place I go, there will be teams of people and communities being brought together. And so there will be a lot of people involved. Yeah. But it will be through the lens. The actual dance work um, is a male duet. Okay. Uh, myself and I'm dancing with um, a dancer named Avery Ryder Turner, who, speaking of students, I met him um, while a grad student in our CU program. His and initial spell out art and his initial spells art and yeah we started working together um during his journey and it led us to making a couple of other pieces and um those pieces led us to this in a couple of different ways but the the the, the one that i do want to pull forward mm-hmm. is that um, in the height of the uprisings, and I was feeling this, um, you know, lack of stability and like questioning, you know, afraid to walk in public and, right. and all of those things. Um, and then, and looking at my surroundings differently again, you know, mm-hmm. because in Boulder, I'm definitely like, uh, <laughs> it's very homogenous. <laughs> so, so, you know, I could potentially go a couple of days without seeing another person like looks like me, you know, so like that's a real thing. Um, and yeah, sitting with that, well, and I shouldn't say sitting because again, how I respond to adversity is to action. Okay. So what I started to do was walk on my own because I was also afraid to be in large crowds because of the COVID. Right. Um, and my introverted being and all the things. So my way to be in solidarity and and to protest and to find meditation was to go on my own walks, where I was walking up to 16 miles a day wow. on my own. And it was intentional. And it was at the same time. And it was the same path because it was larger than just the walking. It was wanting people, my neighbors, to recognize that I'm a part of the neighborhood, mm. not a stranger passing through it. Right. And so even that progression was interesting because at a certain point, people then start to say good morning to me. And I started to say good morning yeah. back. Then eventually a name was exchanged. Whereas before I was right. like, who was this person in the neighborhood? Yeah. You know? And they were doing their rituals and going through their daily things at the same time, be working in the yard or sitting on their front porch. But now we had this sense of exchange that was changing Hmm. my, my, my sense of self within the neighborhood. That's interesting. Um, And so that was part of it for me. And then the other thing that happened in relationship to Ryder was that I was like, wait a minute, there's this thing happening. Not that anything is wrong with it. (laughs) Some just call it a thing, (laughs) but you know, everyone was reassessing what does it mean to make room mm-hmm. and to turn the tables to, you know, right wrongs. Right. And in a lot of those cases, it meant to leave, resign from positions, mm-hmm. give positions to uh, people of culture, you know, black and brown bodies. And um, and I, I sat with that. And while in some cases I'm like, yep, that's great. That's wonderful. In other cases, I'm like, wait a minute, this is still privilege because now you're excusing yourself from the conversation mm-hmm. and you can go and not have to deal with it still. Right. And so then I'm like I'm working with writer and I'm like, wait a minute, 
we are set up to do exactly what I want. Hmm. I want you to come. I want to pull you to the table with me. Okay. I want you to do the work with me. You know, I don't want you to leave, <laughs> you know? So that became like a light for understanding yeah. what I really wanted to do. And then it feels like a full circle moment. Cause as I shared with you before I had an all male dance company in mm-hmm. Washington, DC. So my work was always focused on, uh, showing men as both being uh, strong and vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, dismantling the stereotypes around dance, not being a place for men. Right. Um, so all of that, sort of comes full circle because I was coming back to a duet, mm-hmm. a male duet to do this work mm-hmm. of actioning. Yeah. No, that sounds really dope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my early experiences with Boulder when I moved here, um, the times that I went up there, uh, at the time I had like a big afro still. And so yeah. I walk into a place and I could feel like uh, all of the, oh, <laughs> no, nobody touched me. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> yeah. nobody touched you. <laughs> but, no, I could feel like basically all the white people like suck all the air out of them. Mm-hmm. Like they, but it, it was an interesting thing because they were excited I was there. Yeah. But it, it was uh, still a little dehumanizing. It was like the flip side of the racism coin, yeah. right? Because they still weren't seeing me as a person. Right. They were seeing me as almost like this uh, action figure they could collect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it was just a lot of giddiness, like, oh, cool black dude. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting to hear your story of sort of humanizing yourself to your neighbors yeah. which uh the even just the idea that you have to launch out into doing that says a lot yeah yeah well so then for anybody who wants to uh follow you and your work like online yeah where would they go um so i have a website uh which is my name heleniusj.com um and maybe I should spell that out. H E L A N I U S, the letter J dot com. Also, can find me on Facebook on Helenius um, J. Wilkins, um, Instagram, same thing. My name is so unique. <laughs> right. You will never find another. You'll type in my name and I will come up. <laughs> But yeah, and if you go to my website, uh, most certainly I encourage people to um, join my mailing list. I send out uh, monthly newsletters. And another thing that happened during the, the pandemic in terms of me actioning and mobilizing for myself to find some sense of groundedness, I started writing and sharing more of my writing. So I started oh, a blog. Nice. And so the, generally once a month, I <laughs> put out a new blog, but every once in a while, you know, I skip, but um, yeah. So those two things go out almost every month. Cool. So. Hey, Alanis, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really a cool. Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure talking with you. <laughs> thank you to today's guest, Alanis J. Wilkins. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash podcast to learn more about his work. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more and leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe there too for behind the scenes clips that don't make it in the episode. How Art is Born is hosted by me, R. Allen Brooks. Cheyenne Michaels is our producer and editor. Courtney Law is our executive producer. How Art is Born is a project of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver. Denver.